Hello and welcome to Clean Your Fucking House, Bitch, with Nancy, Kevin, and Lou. In our program, we get real about the challenges of life and living. Your mind is the most powerful tool you have to ensure you are on your desired path for success and satisfaction. Yet, from the day you are born, you gradually and subconsciously fill it with tons of useless shit that gets in your way. Why is that? How can you clean that mess up? We'll show you how. Get ready to clean your fucking house. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Clean Your Fucking House, Bitch. Do you get sad? And no, I'm not directing this question just at you, Nancy, or you, Kevin. I'm directing it at our listeners. Do you get sad? And when I say the word sad, I am not just talking about sadness. I am talking about a unique, I don't know what we should call it, situation disorder is actually the D part of sad. Seasonal affective disorder is what I am talking about. It's an interesting concept. I'm not sure how many of our listeners are aware of this concept, have ever heard of it. It is something that has been in the news, I guess, for many years. And only is talked about at this time of year because of the very, I guess, words that are used to describe it, seasonal affective disorder. I think it's something that kicks in when the weather gets colder and the days get darker and the holidays are here and all of a sudden we're all happy and jolly and merry and excited about things. And all of a sudden the holidays pass us by and we're like, what the fuck do I do now? It's sort of a a depressing situation. So seasonal defective disorder, we thought we would have a multi-part series on sad, given this is the season of sad, but also because as we had a little chat behind the scenes before we started this particular segment, we thought, whoa, sad. It also seems to infer stress, anxiety, depression, other words that may come to mind when we think of the word sad, when we say the word sad. So We are all about sad for this episode and the next several of my friends. Well, you know what? I will turn that question now back on to you, Nancy, or you, Kevin. Do you ever get sad? No. For sure. Liar, liar. (laughs) Pants on fire. (laughs) (laughs) I do, for sure. And Kevin, I know you do. Talk to us. Shit. You want me to open up? Oh, yeah. Is, is this a, we say we get real about life and living, do we? <laughs> this is accurate. You got to clean that damn house, bitch. Come on. All right. Let's get it all out. So it started when I was younger. Oh, now, now we're I in mean, trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is only an hour. Keep in mind. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know if there's a any type of direct correlation to like the holidays or anything like that um, or what's going on situationally. Well, I guess, yes, there is, but hold on a second. Holidays situationally, but also darkness, cold. Gloomy yeah, I mean, kind I of days, overcast. I, um, I'm very introspective, and I give myself a lot of time to analyze how I'm feeling, make a lot of time for myself. And um, I definitely do cycle with different things like different emotions, some good, some bad. I feel like 
I've boiled it down to a few main components that have a huge effect on how I feel, which are what I'm eating, if I'm working out, if I'm meditating, if I'm spending time on me, um, journaling, stuff like that. Um, even like drinking, you know, celebrating too much can have an effect. So drinking makes you sad. Okay. Well, I just don't like, I don't, (laughs) I don't vibe as high. Like if I'm, I'll put it to you this way. Like if I'm walking around feeling normal, that's like a five to me. And if I'm really taking care of myself, I can get up to like an eight. And then if I'm not, then I can go a dip below a five. But I've noticed like, even, even I think last week or two weeks ago, again, I I delete all my social media shit again, again. And I was feeling like, I'm feeling good. But then I did that. I started meditating. I did some yoga. I started journaling, like doing breathing exercises, like a lot of stuff that I intend on being more daily rituals that sometimes I don't make time for. And so there'll be, you know, a month, two months, whatever, that I'll set goals for myself and delete a lot of the bullshit that doesn't serve me and focus more on the things that do. And that week, like I felt amazing. Like I felt so in tune with, with everything I felt focused. I was able to tap into like levels of creativity that, that only happened sometimes I slept better. I I just, everything kind of changed. So for me in particularly, I think it's more about like in regards to stress, anxiety, depression, and, and life gets really difficult. I mean, you both know a lot of the stuff that, um, that I've been through a lot of stuff that Melissa and I have been through just since we've been married, even before we got married, like it's always, always something um, around the world. Now, a lot of, a lot of this shit keeps happening and it, you know, so it, it kind of does affect me, but I don't let things get too far. And it's only because I've been through things so many times, you know, I've been through depression. I've, you know, I kind of live in a, in a state of stress if I don't do a lot of that shit, just because I, I get out of my comfort zone a lot. I take a lot of chances. I have, you know, high risk initiatives in my life that I'm focused on. So in order to maintain, it's about putting in work. I mean, it's really, you both know too, to put work in on yourself. It's like a full-time job to get yourself to where you truly feel you deserve to be and where you want to be. It is constant work. You're right. I guess what you're saying through all of this too, is that it's, you feel less of a seasonal spike for any season, but more of a constant um, flux that you really need to be in tune with. And so for you. And also with, with the seasonal thing too, I will say this, like in Chicago, Nancy, you probably don't have to worry about this. Very jealous of that. But in Chicago, it gets really cold. It's it's muggy. It's dark, you know, for months on end in the winter and really. And so some of the uh, some of the aspects of my self-development journey, like being out in nature, going running outside, stuff like that isn't as available to me. So regarding that, I could see that kind of having an effect sometimes. So I have to kind of pivot and shift based on what is available or what is what I'm able to do. Yeah, Did you sure. grow up in Chicago? Are you a, a native Kevin? I've been here my whole life. I need to get out. Okay. 
The reason I ask, yeah, I hear you there. The reason I ask is I grew up in the Northeast, even though for folks out there who may not know, I'm in Chicago as well. The climate is very similar between here and the Northeast, just a lot windier and colder here since we're near the lake. But I bring it up because I was born and raised in a, in a climate, same thing, where you have a lot of greenery and nature and stuff that you can take advantage of in the summer, spring, summer, fall. Winter rolls around and everything's gone. All the leaves fall off the trees. It's gloomy, as you mentioned. The the you know, if it's sunny and snowy, or, or you know, that's one thing. But when it's gloomy, it's certainly different things. However, as a kid and a young adult, I never experienced sad the way it's described. And I'm half of me is wondering, well, what the hell happens to us as we enter adulthood and start taking on responsibility, living our lives, and all of a sudden. The holidays roll around and we don't feel so good now. It just doesn't make sense to me, you know, that at one time. You just said it, Lou. It's the responsibilities come into play because I was thinking back as a kid, too. I've lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I know that territory of cold. I also grew up in the Northeast. So even though I'm in California now, I know cold. You made the smart move. (laughs) And, And I will tell you, the last three days here and today have been dark and gloomy, like I'm kind of over it. So it happens everywhere. But as a kid, you know, in the winter, okay, the pond froze. We went ice skating. Okay, it was snowy. We went sledding. It was, you know, whatever we did, we there were things we did to fill the activities. But as an adult, all of a sudden during the day, we have responsibilities. We roll out to work in the morning in the dark. We roll home from work at the end of the day when when I was commuting in the dark. So you don't get to experience as much flexibility in, in the days and the time. So I think it does have more of an impact on adults than kids. Well, I do remember rolling in and out, uh, you know, with school, rolling out in the morning in the dark and rolling home, though not completely in the dark, but after uh, sports practice, things like that, it certainly was dark then as well. But, uh, you know, certainly our minds were in a different place when we were younger. Something you just said, though, may had me think, you know what? And Kevin, you may know this in Chicago, they have the ice skating rinks here they open up a few of them that I know of. And I know there's many more, you know, damn it. I'm going to do some ice skating this weekend. I think that'll uh, be a good change of pace, but anyway, maybe that is part of the, the way to look at this too, is, you know, ways to address sad. If you are feeling sad or can relate to what folks describe as sad, I think we're going to go a little deeper into actually the whole aspect of labels and descriptions as it pertains to this. And we touched upon that in, in a previous episode, but uh, you know, again, with, with the description of that, maybe there's ways to address it by simply doing things we used to like to do that we used to enjoy doing or something new, something different. Well, absolutely. I'm going to share, <clears throat> excuse me. I work a lot with the needs and feelings, what they call it needs and feelings inventory, because sometimes people have a hard time deciding if I feel sad, what, what is that? Right. And there's, there's differences, as you're saying for everyone, sorry. So underneath the description of sad, there's, there's levels and things. So brokenhearted, depressed, despondent, disappointed, discouraged, gloomy, heavy hearted, hopeless, melancholy, unhappy, or wretched. So there's also degrees of what sadness you can feel and connecting to. So we're talking about what are solutions. I think understanding which of those 
you're feeling connected to then helps figure out what is the solution? What is the solution? So recognizing that it, the variables for all of us and the different components that we might each be feeling as far as what sadness can look like. That That's an interesting list you brought up because that also touches upon something I just mentioned, which is it can be very difficult to describe what we're feeling, whether it's sad or otherwise. Just the words can sometimes be difficult to bring to the surface because it's a physical thing. It's a feeling. It's not something that, you know, we try to ascribe words to things, but it's not always easy. And that inventory of words really spans a spectrum of, for me, what what would have seemed to be different feelings. Yeah. Here's my take on it. Potentially may not get much agreement on this. And I think I mentioned this before we started chatting, but trying to describe like what here, I guess I'll ask you both. What's the benefit of breaking it down to knowing specifically if we are stressed out, anxious or, or depressed or, or just sad or whatever? Like, what's the benefit? Because in my opinion, the cure of all of those is the same shit, right? Sure. If I'm feeling any of those ways, I meditate, I go work out like I, and then I feel better. I take care of myself. So what, is there a benefit? And I've done, and I've done this. I've broken down every emotion I've ever felt. I know very deeply and intimately, I don't feel there's a benefit of focusing on it because as we talk about where your ener- where your where your mind goes and your thoughts go and your attention goes, energy flows. So if your attention's going to dissecting, why am I feeling anxious? What is this feeling? Is it in my gut? Is it in my chest? Is it in my head? I'm gonna get a headache. Like, aren't we just giving it more attention and energy? You know, there's something really there's a whole bunch of truth in that, right? And, and it's important not to just put a lot of weight into those negative feelings that you have, because then those are going to be the negative feelings that you have. I can't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. But two words that we talk about probably every session. And I think the answer one, why, why understand the difference, you know, which is it I might be feeling, what are the symptoms if I'm sad or stressed, feeling anxiety or feeling depressed? There's something about knowing. Knowing is awareness. Having awareness allows us to really fine tune what we believe about whatever that situation is. And then we know that once we figure out what it is we believe, we're free to make a choice. Then then it's easier for people to make the choice on how to take action. You know your choice is always going to be meditate, period. You don't have a menu of things you're going to do. You're going to meditate. All right. The answer is there for you. But... Which was it's learned there through for trial, everybody. just was learned through trial and error. Okay. So right? you have to give the grace of that trial and error space to other people. I just, yeah. I guess my whole thing is like, I, sorry, Lou, um, my whole, the whole reason I'm bringing it up is because obviously we all want to help people, right? Hold on one second. Go ahead. The That's our <laughs> most popular fan in the background there. <laughs> we, you know, Nancy, what's interesting about what you just said is the fact that and even using the word trial and error is that when it comes to say things like this depression stress anxiety you know there is the topic of throwing a pill at it throwing some kind of Mm. prescriptive therapy at it and in my opinion that is very challenging because these aren't physical there may be physical manifestations, but the the root cause isn't per se a 
it starts with a physical thing like a broken bone or, or something where you can more readily know what the solution is. And in many cases, throwing a pill at it may not be the solution at all, may not be the best one, may not be needed at all. Totally true. Or it is literally a short-term solution. Like your hormone, our body chemicals can get imbalanced, period. They can. Um, and sometimes we need a chemical to help balance the chemicals, right? <laughs> but that's a short, it should, it should be a short-term solution. Like we wouldn't want to be on some sort of medication pharmaceutical for an extended period of time. So it might be that we need that in the short term, but then the sustainable solutions come from the actions we take. Yeah. Well, when we say chemical imbalance, we're talking about neurotransmitters most of the time. That's why a lot of these antidepressants are SSRIs, basically saying that people are just absorbing the serotonin in their brain too quickly. I have studied all of this because I went through all the bullshit. Um, <clears throat> I think that pharmaceuticals all the real stuff in general, that people go through that people yeah. will find their way through. I think that if someone is really like uh, really, really struggling and they're, you know, thinking of doing something about it, that's not conducive to health or living, then I think that can be useful. Um, but I also think that we have a lot of the power to change a lot of that on our own through different ways too. So I don't think like to me, and I've, I've tried all of these, you know, and <clears throat> all of these drugs back in the day. And, you know, you don't feel sad anymore. You don't feel much of anything anymore. And it's, you know, down to, do you want to feel, or, or is that acceptable? Or are you content with that? And that was my experience. It might be different for other people, but again, I think it's, it can be useful to help in a very severe case, but I don't think it should be the first thing that we jump to. And we do this in, in society. People want to lose weight. We have an obesity epidemic, right? There, what is the, the weight loss industry is billions of dollars annually in the form of different get, get fit quick things, fat loss pills, supplements, all this stuff. And everyone knows, you know, if you, in it, increase the amount of physical activity that you get and eat well. We all know what eating well means. Most of us, it's going to put you on a path towards where you want to go. If that's something. So we're looking for quick fixes. And to me, just as a society, and to me, it's a lot of, a lot of the cures for most of this stuff is, is right in front of us. Or inside yeah. somewhere, you got to kind of dig inside. To well, I think that's the main, that's the main thing is going inside and, you know, going back to what I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted by my dog. Um, oh, I thought you were going to call it out on me. <laughs> I have, uh, I, when I was in my, my late teens, I went through a lot of, you know, what I considered traumatic events. And there was one in particular situation where, um, I had the loss of a relationship. One of my good friends committed suicide. Um, I wasn't in a good spot to begin with. And that threw me off. And every day, you know, all the time, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, constantly analyzing why is this happening to me? Why do I feel like this? What is this? What does this feel like? And I feel now looking back that I just kind of prolonged things 
in a way because I was trying to analyze something that it was, it was there. It was a fact. I definitely felt it's very real, but I didn't help myself. Like I didn't start doing anything different. I kind of just sat around feeling bad, feeling shitty and thinking about it. So that's the whole thing. And like with what we're doing, I want to help as many people as possible. And so, yes, I had to go through trial and error to figure shit out. If I can help other people that are struggling with things, not have to go through the years and years of bullshit that I went through and feel what I felt for so long and go through hell, essentially, if they can avoid that, that's what I want to try to help people do. So it sounds like then if we're kind of come up with a a, a quick and dirty laundry list, it's just to give folks a start, because that's an important thing. What you just mentioned is that. Uh, you, you went through something pretty traumatic. You, you analyze it to death. A lot of people may be going through that right now or about to go through that seasonality aside. It's just a fact of life. What now that you can look back at that, what would you suggest are some things aside from meditation? We know that's going to be on the list that uh, folks can do to help them move out of it quicker than otherwise might be the case rather than being stuck in it. And it sounds like one of them is right. What you just shared is stop questioning it stop analyzing it just kind of move forward with thinking about a solution rather than why did it occur i think there's a fine line between doing that and then repressing right so you don't want to push it down deep within you and ignore it at all you do want to process your emotions but going back i know i bring up meditation all the time i know you both you both know it's on my list and shit i can't for anyone that doesn't do it, I can't really explain the benefits. It literally helps in every area of life. It's been studied now. We know it. It's been around for thousands of years. And like here, here was one type of analogy that this really helped me um, get through everything. It was learning about my spirituality, right? And what that means to me. I think all of us agree that there's a part of us, whether it's energy, soul, consciousness, spirit, whatever you want to call it, that exists beyond the human form, right? We all agree that? Okay. So most of our lives here, we're living being a human being and we're trying to do shit, figuring shit out as a human being. We're not really building and growing on that part of us that lives forever. And to me, when you meditate, you tap into that. You stop being human. You start being more consciousness, more spirit, because you're taking away your human everything by taking away your senses. So focusing on that and and allowing the true essence of you as the individual to come out more instead of just being a physical being, a human being. That's to me what the huge benefit of meditation is getting to know the real you, the you beyond the human, because the human part of you is, is, is impermanent. It only exists for so long. After that, the real you comes out. We can work on that real us now while we're on earth. And, and again, sure. you know, we need it's, to. Um, to me, it's, I, I guess, put it this way. I know that everything is different for everybody. I'm, I'm totally aware of that. Everyone's perceptions are different. I don't know if there's a single person that's meditated for years that will come out and say, like, it's absolutely pointless. I think every person that I've ever met that gets into it is like, it, there are so many benefits to it. But sure. Where'd that, that come from anyway? No, <laughs> I think we're in agreement with you about um, it. One yeah. thing that can help, I think, with when we when we can when we think about it, 
more and more and more. It's more prevalent. We feel it more. We can't experience emotions without thinking something that causes the chemicals to release that cause the emotions that we feel, right? We talk about that all the time. If you can get some of those thoughts out of your mind, like in the form of poetry or writing in a journal or even some things with gratitude journaling or something, get it out of your head so it's not cycling. Sometimes when you get it, it's just like making a list when you have a lot of shit to do. If you get it down on a piece of paper, you don't have to think about it as much. So that would be, I think, something very practical that that some of our listeners could could try out. Getting in nature. There's something about being out in nature, forest preserve, ocean, mountains, whatever, that kind of grounds well, Keep in you. mind those <laughs> where we are in Chicago. <laughs> Remember There's those things kind of go away. There's still things you can do, but you can, <laughs> like are. you just said, you just said, Lou, yeah. that maybe you'll go ice skating. I mean, that's yeah. not the woods nature, but that's outdoors and connecting with people and feeling nature. So that counts. And you know, me, something you just mentioned made me think of something early in our conversation that also makes sense, though, and is part of this whole solution idea generating exercise is both of you stated it, it starts from within, you know, start to make the change within and all that. And uh, what we need is an internal mechanism. And I said, you know what, there's all there is an external component. I agree, the external should necessarily be pills, that shouldn't be the first point of defense. But social connections, relationships are so important. This pandemic alone has shown us that when we are isolated for an extended period of time, it can really be damaging to our mental health. And granted, with technology these days, we do have the ability to at least see other people on our screens and reach out in, in ways like that. But it has still been very difficult, as I'm, I'm both, you, you know, from reading the news and so forth on kids specifically, but even people in general. So getting back to those connections is very important. I think that is the most important aspect of a healthy life from something I've read not too long ago is our social circles, our healthy relationships, our connections like that. Heck yeah. You know what? I actually read something that took kind of a different viewpoint to that, saying that um, as we did hit the pandemic and people were home more and kids were home, families actually, you know, a lot of people got laid off and were home more. Families got to spend more quality time with each other during that, which I don't think like isolation and staying at home constantly is, is super healthy. But I thought it was interesting because I never thought about that before. I always thought the same thing that you thought, Lou. Um, but, I, you know, kind of makes sense. People did. They were able to focus more on family for a little while. I think, yeah, both which is which so, is important. Yeah, both. Exactly, Lou. It's important. And I think what what we're finding is that what was missing pre-pandemic was the family unit being tighter. And so they got that time, but now that people are home, they're like, get, let me fucking out of the house. You know? <laughs> so they, they, we need the social. So balance comes into play everywhere that we need both, but we need to have balance for both. And you know, what's interesting about that is, and that is key, Kevin, is the fact that, okay, the family unit had an opportunity to regroup to have dinner together without smartphone devices being at the table to even play games, say, with each other. Uh, after dinner board games used to be a big thing in my family. I don't even know if the kids even know what the hell a damn board game is these days. No, uh, uh, sorry, wasn't meaning to speak ill of any of our younger listeners. It's just the fact that th this is something that families used to do years ago, and it's great that the pandemic has allowed them to kind of reconnect in that way. However, 
Things that depends on the, around, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that does depend on the strength of the family. In other words, I, I would expect yeah. the parents have to get that ball rolling. So if the parents themselves don't do something to initiate that family, now family quality time experiment, then it, it won't work. You know you what, know- though, going back to, sorry, Nancy, what you said real quick, Lou, like when I'm feeling bad, the last thing I want to do is be around people. Oh, okay. But oh, see, at the but same when time, I'm feeling bad, I want to be around people. I need at the same time. Um, the caveat to that is there's been times that I did not feel like you know doing a podcast because I was feeling shitty or something, and then I still did it because obviously we all depend on each other, and then I felt awesome afterwards. So I think um maybe just being around people, but they need to be the right people. Like people that, because there's people in your life. Oh, I think this is actually huge. I know you both agree with me. Certain people in your life drain you of your energy, mm-hmm. right? And you just, you, you interact with them and then you just feel shittier afterwards for whatever reason. But there's some people that you go to and sometimes you don't even need to talk. You just need to be by them and they uplift you. So I think it's important to pay attention to the relationships that we all have, how they serve us. And if they serve us negatively, this might've been in a previous podcast, but we want to set boundaries, you know, for Mm -hmm. ourselves and potentially with other people as well. The whole thing is paying attention to how we feel and focusing on what, what serves us, what elevates us more, what makes us feel better. Yeah. And, you know, and that touches upon a lot of different things. You mentioned weight loss, weight management, and one of your earlier examples of, I think it was the quick fix, throwing a pill at it. From the research I've read and that Nancy and I are very familiar with as a consequence of a program that she and I both use with clients is the fact that support is the main key. It's not the only key, but it is the most important key the, I guess I would say the top of the list in terms of helping folks to lose weight, to manage weight, to get over her, to do, you know, whatever goal they want to accomplish, having support, human support. Do you think, do you human think support, support is kind not, of like the same thing as environment? Well, what I mean by support is even say with working out when I've had a, a, not just a personal trainer, because I think I have had a personal trainer one time in my life, but I know when I first started going to the gym as a young man, many years ago, I met people and I just ended up partnering up with somebody and we ended up working out together. That made me want to go to the gym more. I felt there's an accountability aspect there. Like, okay, he's depending on me. Like you said, with podcasts for me to be there, it was helping me as well. Having that support person. Oh my goodness. Talk about the benefits I got out of that. I think the same applies to say eating. It's going to be a little bit different scenario because there isn't like a physical building with instruments that you can use to work out, pump your shit and all that. It's a different situation. But the same thing applies for things that we need to help us overcome. Support is key. And that's why I am a big advocate of, say, talk therapy over drug therapy. That's okay. So that's a good point that I didn't think about that as you were saying that. Um, And my natural inclination was to. I think, and again, we're all different, but for me, I don't, I just kind of don't, don't rely on anybody for anything. Mm-hmm. Well, know? support because is that's but environment, like accountability and the environment. I get the accountability. I love do. what you said about like counseling therapy. I think that's awesome for sure. And I didn't think about that. 
But, but again, I think, it depends Kevin, you on have the people point. that you have. Because if you're trying to yeah. lose weight and you meet someone and they eat like shit, you're going to probably end up it's going to be more difficult, I guess, to stick no. to what you, you know what I mean? And but it's relevant support. Is, it certainly is relevant, relevant support is, relevant the, is the difference. I love yeah. it. But the environment is as, it, it can have an impact as well. So it's not just the support, like Lou was saying, there's other components, but the support cinches it and takes it up to 95% account, you know, success. But that environment is key as well. So they're both super important. I have a question for you. And it's something I discussed with someone else recently as well. So for both of you not um, or, and, and all of our listeners as well, but where do you think well-being starts? Where do you think well-being starts? Wow, that's a very I think uh, I think it just exists. Large question. <laughs> well, so I think I, it exists unless we don't allow it to exist. Well, that that's some people don't have the knowledge or ability to allow it. Well, in the discussion we had yesterday, what surfaced for us at the time was people like, okay, maybe it starts with parents, right? And then it starts with school and athletic activities. And then maybe you get you know, maybe it also comes from church, what you learn there, and then maybe university, whatever. But in the end, all of those things have in common, what you get from those experiences or environments is encouragement. And so we kind of had this aha moment with really well-being starts with encouragement. And to lose point, a person can be that accountability, support, and encouragement. And to Kevin's point, your environment can also be encouraging or discouraging. So just the weight that each carries. You know what? Also with that, with answering your question to tie back to what Lou brought up when we're kids, right? We don't experience the holidays or, or, or seasons the same way, right? Well, we don't have all these responsibilities that we put upon ourselves, right? Most of the problems that we all have in our lives, we create, we have everything we need to be content and survive and and be fulfilled for the most part. We have access to that, but we create problems for ourselves. We, you know, we're stressed out about work. It's your choice to have that job. Mm -hmm. You know, we're stressed out about bills. You can strap down and figure out finances and, and set yourself up and you can live in a van, you know, if that was so important to you. We create all of this stuff when we're young, we're more innocent. We don't understand. So like, again, with the well-being thing, we come into this world with well-being. We come to this world with enthusiasm and love, and we want to learn everything. And it gets doled down. That's why, I mean, the more that we can tap into that, like childlike enjoyment of this, of this planet and our lives, it's natural. We put shit on ourselves and make ourselves feel less than. We, we do. And there's so much truth in that. I just want to just caution us from generalizing too much for people who are in unfortunate circumstances and need help to get out. And um, it's okay to know that you need help. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in general, do we impact ourselves and could we take care of ourselves better? Yes. But there are people who have circumstances that are extenuating and they need support around them to pull themselves out. A little bit of handholding to to get the, to get the ball rolling is yeah totally understandable because many folks yeah they're so deep in a certain hole whether it comes to whatever their situation is physical with weight loss mental with depression whatever can the case you give may be. me an example just to have a really interesting discussion for well, our listeners of a situation that 
someone couldn't have prevented? Yes. T- pandemic. I know a handful of people and I know there's many more, but I know some directly that all of a sudden are looking at not be don't have a place to live. They don't have the income to afford the mortgage or the rent that they were paying and they don't have a resource to cover that and a place to go. And it's it's that impacts that then has a chain reaction to the rest of your life. If I've got to put all of this money into this place to live, which I can't afford, I don't have any left for food, forget about clothing. We'll wear what we have and that will work. But so then resources become out of balance. Like we were talking about even our physical selves, you know, so that creates a stressful environment that it wasn't their doing necessarily and takes a moment and some assistance to get out of. Okay. That that does def- definitely requires a a overcoming resistance to change. I'm going to use that phrase only. Be- and when I say that, what I mean is, if we look at how am I going to solve this only based on what I've known to date and tried to date and looked at to date, it that may not work. Especially because we're dealing with something that is is very unique to all of our lives. Where I'm going is tap into creativity, tap it, write things down. Like Kevin says, so important to write down, okay, damn, I got this gargantuan problem going on. Let me just list a bunch of shit on a piece of paper that might be pros and cons of this or that, or where I could go, or what I could do. It's amazing how just putting everything down on paper can at least try to spark some creativity and come up with some creative solutions. Yeah. I always never say never, you know? I'm totally with you on that, Lou. And I think you're right. We do have to then own pulling ourselves out Um, And by pulling ourselves out, start by making a list of the things that you can do or the resources you can check to take actions to support whatever your needs are. So, yes. And then with that, let's just summarize with the things that we we said are ways to address these situations we find ourselves in. So we talked about, you know, physical activity, getting physical activity makes a difference. Learning what your own spiritual being is in whatever form that is for you. Get to know that. Um, Get your thoughts out. We just said I'm being repetitive. Get into nature, get some fresh air, touch the ground and connection, social connection in some form. So these are some resources when you find yourself feeling sad or stressed or full of anxiety or depressed. So MC, thanks- can I add one thing? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Even in the situation you described, I'm sure that person still has a lot to be grateful for. Oh, yes. And focusing on what you even when shit hits the fan, focusing on what you still have in your life to be grateful for family, friends, a place to live, even if it's the home, not the home you lost, whatever. There is always something to focus on that you have. We all have a lot of blessings in our lives. Absolutely. I want to add one thing to those blessings. One thing I'd like to add is I would have no problem at all living in a van. I've seen some tricked out vans that are so much better <laughs> looking than my damn apartment. Sure. I would definitely have no problem doing that. So yes, count me in on that. With that, let's wrap her up. We'll be back next week to talk about the cues and triggers that fuel our habits. Bye, everybody. Take care, folks. Bye for now. <laughs>